Hey folks, I'm John Botsett, and welcome to The Why Podcast. This is where I get to sit down with some incredible people and talk about their careers, passions, and how they've navigated struggles in their lives. For this episode, I had the privilege to sit down with professional opera singer Kaylee Nichols. She studied at McGill University and has gone on to sing with major companies in Nashville, Chattanooga, and Columbus. Kaylee's participated in the Dandelion Opera Institute and Fort Worth Opera's Masterclass Series. In this episode, we talk about some common misconceptions about opera and how it's truly one of the most emotionally immersive art forms. We also discuss how she's using her opportunities to help rising artists by giving an authentic, behind-the-scenes look into every aspect of performing, from auditioning to what goes on backstage during a production. Make sure to follow her on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook at The Scrappy Mezzo. So sit back, relax, and enjoy a great conversation with my friend, Kaylee Nichols. So I guess the first big thing I want to ask is, um, like, how how have you been handling quarantine? Because um, I, I know you were traveling for a long time for your for your career, and then all of a sudden everything just shut down. And was it was it like a jarring experience for you, or was did you learn to like appreciate it pretty quickly? Um, I definitely did not appreciate it very quickly. But um, <laughs> so I was basically. And so 2020 was my first, was really my first year where most of the year I was singing opera. Um, Up to that, I've kind of been doing maybe three months out of the year, three gigs-ish. So this this was like my opera singer year. And um, so I was hitting a lot of big points for me and it was, you know, it was really exciting. And then we were getting ready to do Rigoletto and we were about a week out from uh, rehearsals for it. And we were doing our, uh, a lot of uh, young artists in opera companies. So like late 20 somethings that are out of grad school, uh, they do education outreach. And so we had a tour of this uh, children's opera of Little Red Riding Hood that we had been doing for about six weeks. And we were kind of in our last week and it's, you know, you start hearing about cases and we're like, okay, what's going on? <laughs> you know, we just, we just didn't really know how to handle it. Right. I mean, we just yeah. didn't know what was going on. And so luckily they um, shut things down, I think at a very appropriate time for what was happening in Tennessee. And so uh, we were uh, sent home and uh, they basically just called the, I work at a coffee shop whenever I'm not gigging and was like, Hey, do you guys have any shifts open? And then I worked one shift and then everything shut down. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, yeah. So I was like, all right, well, so much for that. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, uh, it just, I just didn't know what to do with my time. Um, I just kind of, I sat around for a while. We got our first Xbox, uh, okay. which was exciting. Uh, started playing Assassin's Creed, Ooh, uh, nice. Odyssey. So <laughs> I'm a gamer now. Um, <laughs> totally kidding. I'm not very good at it. Um, but, you know, just kind of getting through the day, just making myself a routine. I just, I don't know. It took me a while. And then I started uh, going into things like learning languages because I realized that's something I really have not poured time into. And so I was like, well, I've got all this time and I can make this apartment a French only zone. And so I was doing that for a while. And then 
um, kind of slowly but surely have been getting back into things. I did do uh, a virtual young artist program where it was a training program that brought in all of this faculty from all over the world that they totally would have not had time for us uh, mm -hmm. in any other circumstance. And that was really exciting to just feel like a singer again and to train and get ready for this online audition season that we have coming up. Mm -hmm. uh, which is like a totally another, <laughs> we're all <laughs> figure that out right now, but you know, that, that program I'm really thankful for. Um, it's called Dandelion Opera Institute. And, um, yeah, it, it really does. I feel like I quadrupled my network just from my living room and met all kinds of amazing people and singers in the business and fabulous coaches and, um, there's been seminars and things like that. And so it's, it was kind of a slow climb into that, but yeah, that's basically what I've been doing during all of this. Um, I still, I still can't really watch live shows that show audiences because I just, I start to tear up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just, I, I miss it really bad. Um, but, uh, like we were watching the newsies on Disney plus. Okay. And, you know, that show, now is the time to see today. And it's this really upbeat, energetic, amazing show. And they would show the audience and you would hear this amazing applause. And I was just like, oh, why am I tearing up right now? And, you know, you just kind of remember what's going on. So, but yeah, that was a long-winded response to that question. No, you're good. Uh, so what was that like uh, doing, um, networking with all these people and, and performing with all of them? Because... I, I can imagine the energy is different when you're in your living room and you're not physically there to feed off of each other. Yeah, it's, it definitely takes some getting used to. Um, the biggest thing that every opera singer is trying to figure out right now is how to deal with technology. Mm -hmm. And cause most microphones are not built to handle an operatic voice. And especially if your your voice is on the bigger end of the spectrum, I mean, it just shuts down, uh, especially on Zoom. And so there's a lot of purchases of external mics going on and uh, a lot of conversations um, and seminars and uh, information out there for anybody that knows anything about recording is really, we're all just really trying to help each other out and figure it out <laughs> because this is totally new. So uh, a lot of us, the biggest difference is singing along with a track in our okay. living room rather than in a space with a live pianist. Um, and then for the first round, so we have a first round where we send in videos and then we have a second round that's usually in New York or whatever city that company is in. Mm -hmm. And so right now we have these pre-screening videos from our living room with a track the second round is also, you know, it's still going to be the quarantine version. Um, but there's a group of companies that is kind of pooling together. So you only have to, you basically have to remake your videos within a certain span of time. Okay. Um, so we're still getting information about that, <laughs> but that's what we know right now. Um, but yeah, we're all kind of flying by the seat of our pants and just accepting whatever is the best that we can offer. Yeah. And so I've seen a lot of musicians and actors and celebrities 
making videos, trying to inspire people because they don't have that live audience to, to connect with. So they're just trying to reach out to their fans as much as any way as possible. Um, do you feel like musicians have a specific role in this pandemic? Like, do you, do you think that their job is to now inspire remotely or are they just like, are you guys just trying to survive like everybody else emotionally and just, just cope with what's been going on? I think it's a little bit of both because yes, we, and every artist is in a different spot um, because not everyone is in a spot to create right now, you know, but those ones that are just, you know, putting that stuff out there, I think they particularly feel like it's their role to spread that joy and to, you know, spread any bit of light that they can during this time. And a lot of companies are kind of pivoting to this online version of whatever they have to offer. Mm -hmm. So I think it depends. I, it, it just depends on the singer. That's fair. Cause we, we talked about, or you talked about like the newsies on Disney plus and mm -hmm. um, obviously Hamilton just came out recently and that was a live recording of when they originally put it out. Um, do you think that this is opera's chance to become more accessible to people? Like, do you see it as something that could, could survive on a streaming service? I think it can, and I think it depends on the company and how it's handled. I know there's a lot of things that are already online. So uh, the Metropolitan Opera, for example, they have uh, met on demand or the Metropolitan and HD where they've been streaming live performances for quite a while and you can access them on their website. And I think it's like $4.99 to rent the performance basically okay um and then i know i think uh medici tv has a, a bunch of different types of performances they have master classes they have recitals they have um i think they have symphony concerts i don't have a subscription to i think it's a subscription-based thing i know they have uh, operas on there from other companies um so i think the larger companies with that sort of uh, those sort of resources, um, I, I think can adapt in that way. And probably smaller, it just, uh, yeah, it depends on the company and the resources. It's, it's just different because if you don't have the right sound mix, uh, for opera, it can be a little wonky. So I think, I think eventually there's going to be some parts of all changes that we're making. Some parts are going to stay and I don't know which parts those are. Um, but I, it is meant to be in a theater in a live performance because when you experience those voices, they just like, they hit you in the chest. I mean, that's how loud the sound can be when, with some of those voices and that, that in itself is an experience you can't mm -hmm. really get. It's like listening to your favorite band, watching one of their concerts online where you're like, this is great. This is fun. You have a great time. You enjoy the music, you enjoy the singing but it's nothing like being there with the speakers and you just like, it's like beating your heart for you. It's kind of the same thing, but it's just in a different way. Do you think that's more of a limit of technology that's accessible by like the general public? Or do you think that's a limit of opera as an art form? That's a good question. I don't know. I think that is something that is kind of being answered right now. I know, uh, I mean, we're getting a lot of education on the best mics to use for 
video recordings and things like that. And um, a, a lot of companies will record like a final dress rehearsal for, um, what do you call it? Uh, grant writing purposes. Okay. Um, things like that, but it's not, it's not going to be like the Met 8 sort of stuff. Um, I, yeah, I think it just depends. Again, I think it depends on the resources because not every company is going to be equipped to do that. And same with the singers. Not every singer is going to be able to get the, get the appropriate equipment that's going to really be the absolute best thing. You're still going to get some fuzz in there. Yeah. Because I, I, I think even before quarantine and COVID, we had um, like fandom on demand, I think it was, that it was showing in theaters that I, I, it feels like it was starting to introduce opera in like a much more accessible form for people that weren't able to go to the major companies in, in like New York or Chicago or other big cities. Um, and I mean, I, I was never really able to go to that, but it, it, it seems like a good step in the right direction um, to get it more accessible. Um, do you, do you think that opera could be, or could do, or, sorry, opera has the op opportunity or capability to um, have like a Hamilton experience where they take a, a genre and an art form that I think was well known and obviously beloved by a lot of people, but bring it even closer to the modern day um, like is opera meant to kind of be its own thing or is it supposed to evolve and adapt to um, other cultures and, and kind of like this modern day musical experience? Yeah, I definitely think it's made to adapt and I think it definitely has adapted quite a bit over the years um, because if you just listen to even just the different styles of music uh, and the orchestration of, you know, the difference in orchestration between a Mozart opera and a Wagner opera are different. <laughs> and part of that is the spaces that they were meant for and the crowds they were meant for. Now we have a lot of, um, we do have a lot of chamber music coming out where it is, it was, we already had a trend of writing things that were meant for smaller spaces mm -hmm. um, and things that are shorter, things that are in, that are in English, things that have really relatable stories. Uh, I think Dead Man Walking is a great example. Um, it's an opera by Jake Hagee. It has really good music in it. And it's, you can tell it's modern by the way it sounds, but it's not so modern that you're like, what am I listening to? It's not like someone throws spoons on the ground and they're like, is this music? It's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not that kind of modern. Yeah. <laughs> but it's... Uh, it's really good stuff and that's something that's a movie people know and um sister helen prejean is is still uh an advocate for that story and you know she's alive and she's with us there's an opera um about ruth bader ginsburg and her relationship with uh justice scalia and oh my gosh uh, um man there's so many there's an opera called flight that's uh starting to be done a lot more and that's it's an opera in airport but and just so many ridiculous things happen um and i've i've that's an opera that i've not seen yet but i do sing an aria from that show and i'm trying to find a, uh, a good recording of it so i can really see it but there's it's definitely adapted for do you, does that kind of thing like excite you or or is that 
interest you um, as far as like seeing opera adapt? And obviously you've been involved and done operas from hundreds of years ago um, to today. Um, is there like a noticeable change in the style itself that makes it more relatable or is it just the content that it's, it's being done about? I think a little bit of both. And I, I think a big part of that, at least in the American circle, is the fact that I have a lot of opera being written in colloquial English. I mean, it's mm -hmm. written in the way that we speak. Um, I mean, I, I really find that exciting. I, I love singing American music. I love singing in my own language. You're, when you... I'll, I'll say two different things about this. Okay. You know, you're singing in your own language. The audience can receive it in a different way because they don't need to know that language. They already know it um, if they're native speakers of that language. Um, that being said, that is also why we learn, you know, mainly three other languages. We learn Italian, we learn French, we learn German um, as much as possible to be able to communicate what we're saying like we were native speakers. And even if we're not native speakers, to know how to speak that language so well, even, even if you're still learning what you're saying, you have to be able to communicate it so well that people might think you're a native speaker. Mm -hmm. And a native speaker can understand your intention and the, the storyline. Do you feel like when you sing operas in, in other languages in like their, their native tongue, does that or has it now given you like a deeper connection to the to the material to the composer? Um, like, do you feel like you've gotten uh, a different level of understanding of the material that you maybe didn't have when you first started out? Oh, absolutely. When you're when you're singing something in a different language and you're not really sure what you're saying, there's like there's this barrier that's kind of there because you're you have the track of the lyrics. Mm -hmm. And then you have a track of maybe the word for word translation. Um, Cause if you've ever learned another language, you know, it's not going to line up exactly the same as your native language. It's the phrasing is different and things like that. And so you have the word for word and then you have the general phrase of what's going on. And you're, you're kind of having to filter all of that at once. And the more that you internalize that language, the, sh the smaller that barrier gets and mm -hmm. you can really communicate like it's your own language and it and it is a different experience and I think comedy is a good example to explain that because if you if you if you're doing a comedy in Italian and you're a native speaker you know you automatically know where the punchline is but when you're an English speaker and you're performing Italian and, and say which we, we all know what we're saying every time we perform. <laughs> it's like square zero for us. Um, you know, but if you, if you don't know what you're saying, you don't know where that punchline is and therefore it's not funny. Yeah. You know, so that's, that's kind of why that is so important for us. Was there a specific moment that you can remember when it clicked with you of like fully understanding uh, what you were singing about? Was it like a certain level in your career? Um, or was it a specific opera, maybe? Hmm. I think I, I had a big realization this summer, and I, I, I wasn't really into learning. I had a misunderstanding about learning languages. Um, 
I before I feel like I've really just been memorizing translations and I've been taking the languages out of the context of opera and having conversations with people and journaling and just conjugating verbs to my heart's delight because I love doing that. <laughs> I I had this moment where I was uh, just having a conversation with somebody in French and it was just like I, I wasn't having a lot of trouble coming up with what I needed to say, which was really exciting. And it really changed the way that I sang my French aria because my phrasing was different and it, it was just like I was really speaking the words and it was it was like the language was my own and I'm not fluent in French. Um, that's just what I've been focusing on. So I'm using that as an example. But when you when you fully understand the context of what you're saying, it's just a, a different way of singing it. It's that, like I said, that barrier is so much uh, shorter or you're not felt as much. Does that yeah, make sense? <laughs> it does. Yeah, no, I, it makes me think like opera in general makes me think of that Maya Angelou quote um, that people forget what you said, they'll forget what you did, but they'll never forget what you made them feel. And mm. I think opera has this really unique take because um, most people don't speak French or German. Uh, and and so they, they're purely relying on the emotional performances of you guys as performers. Um, and what I, I know when I was in college and I got to see um, the operas that I did, it really resonated with me a lot longer than I, I feel like a lot of other musical styles did because I was I couldn't understand the words that were being said, but I was focusing so much on, on the performers and the emotions that were being conveyed. And I, I think it naturally lends itself to um, being more connective with its audience if you're, if you're really trying to be dialed in with it. Oh, absolutely. Uh, opera is the best and worst of humanity set to music. I mean, it's, it's humanity in its most raw form. Like it's, you take an emotion of what somebody is singing about and it's like the bare, like the core of whatever that is. If they are happy, like they are happy. And if they are sad, they are dying. They're literally dying. <laughs> so I, yeah, it's, I feel like a lot of, entertainment um, these days, and this is a generalization, this is obviously not true about everything, um, <laughs> but there's a, there's a lot of things that are kind of like you said, made, you're made to feel something rather than having to think about it. Mm -hmm. Like when you turn on the radio with top 40, like you're thinking about that music, like you're just kind of vibing along with it. And yeah. we have our songs that we go to when we're sad, when we go through a breakup and, you know, when we're just driving in the car and we want that driving music and, or we're just, I don't know, if you need a rage session and you've got that music for that too. And yeah. <laughs> it, uh, it, opera is something that is made to number one, certainly make you feel something and number two, but also make you think. And sometimes pe people just aren't in a place to want to think about it. Um, and that depends on the opera. Some operas are not made to think. Barbara of Seville is not giving you this major life lesson <laughs> at the end of the day. Like it's that, it's just a wild rumpus from start to finish. And um, that's a really fun show if you're a beginner to opera. Um, but it's also, you don't have to like every, all 400 years worth of opera that we have. 
you know, so I, I always say that opera is relatable, like the person next to you, that's maybe a stranger on a train or something is relatable. You don't know if you like them or not until you get to know them. Yeah. Start talking to them and asking about it. And if you, you know, say you listen to something like Carmen or La Boheme, or like I said, Barbara of Seville, and you listen to it and you're just like, I don't really like that music or you didn't like the story and you don't, or you don't want to feel sad. I mean, there's an opera for literally everything. If it's been a book, there's an opera about it. (laughs) If you think, if you think of just a mild storyline, just off the top of your head, there is an opera about it (laughs) because it's about the human experience. And there's, I mean, with the characters that I perform, like I, one of uh, the characters I was about to perform is uh, basically like a prostitute. And I myself have never been a prostitute and that's (laughs) not something I can relate to, you know, (laughs) her profession is very different than mine. And, but one thing that I can relate to is that I've fallen in love. And that's a big part of her storyline. And so, and, you know, wanting to get out of the situation that you're in and when you can have it explained to you in that format, then it's, oh my gosh, opera is totally relatable. And you're like, where has this been all, all of my life? You know, because it's, it's just about fellow humans that were just time period, you know, some of, some operas are based on real people. Some are totally made up. Some are based on mythology. Some are based on novels. They're scary operas. Like mm-hmm. if you're into horror films and things like that, there are totally operas for you. Um, yeah, I mean, the possibilities are endless. And so if you are listening to something and you're not really into it, then I would encourage you to try something else. And you can totally message me on Instagram <laughs> at the Scrappy Mezzo, and I will be happy to give you suggestions based on your Netflix preferences or, <laughs> you know, just what kind of books you read, because I can guarantee you there's an opera for you. See, and that's what I, I wish more people like knew about or are people like you that want to be a resource to kind of open the door. Um, because I, it's just, it's such, I think, a, um, a misunderstood art form for a lot of Americans nowadays, because our attention spans are so small that we can't focus on, um, like, it, it just seems like an insurmountable task to try and like learn about this entirely new art form that we're not familiar with. I know, like, it, if I think about like wanting to appreciate painting more, I don't know where to begin. Um, and mm-hmm. I wish there were more people out there that like were on the front line advocating for things like this that aren't like on the forefront of people's minds, but I feel like are such an enri- it's such an enriching experience to go through one, even if it's like, even if you're introduced to it um, on like a streaming service or something or YouTube, just to get, get like your, your toe wet and just kind of dip your toe in the water of, of opera as a whole. Um, I mean, like, is there anybody else that you can think of that's kind of like, like the Neil deGrasse Tyson of science? Um, is there somebody like that for opera that's out on social media? Oh my gosh. I feel like so many people. Well, I feel like right now the, uh, the kind of champions of introducing opera are young artists. Uh, working for companies because we are doing this educational outreach and basically what a lot of these outreach shows do is they set a familiar story set to familiar music and it's it's opera for children and so um, I'll use we did uh, Little Red's Most Unusual Day um, by uh, Jonathan Davies and 
kids that just lost their mind at the big bad wolf and when he's creeping up on little red riding head i mean they just would scream at the top of their like and he's dressed up as granny and they're all trying their darnest to you know let little red know that she's about to be eaten by a wolf you know oh sorry that was my dog um you know they're just they're trying so hard and they get so into it and that i getting that experience and some of those kids they get to see that show every single year not that particular show but they get to yeah. see an, an opera in their gymnasium or the cafeteria every single year and um so i mean companies all over the country are really going to the students um I, there's there's all different kinds of forms of making opera relatable i just came across this uh hilarious youtube channel um and uh oh my gosh i am so sorry that i cannot remember his name he basically uh <laughs> he's another opera singer and he's so funny and if i remember it later i'll blurt it out but uh he basically a millennial describes an opera in about a minute or under a minute or something like that okay and they are so funny they are so funny <laughs> so they're just they're ridiculous he speaks so fast and it's animated like stick figures Okay. And so I just, I like belly laughed through the whole thing. And um, I binge watched them the other day and I just commented on his thing. I was like, you are so funny. Like, I cannot <laughs> wait to watch more. I could please explain every opera to me. Thank you. <laughs> you know, and uh, you know, things like that, where they're just trying to make things absolutely rid ridiculous uh, out of it. And then there's other people that are explaining opera plots in another way. Uh, opera 5 has this um, other series that they have on YouTube where they explain opera plots and things like that. Um, because at, at the heart of it, you know, if, if you watch a show, you don't know the language. If you know basically what's happening in the story and you can kind of follow along that way, mm -hmm. if you know the plot of an opera, then you can, you, it can be better explained to you. And I think you're in a better place to appreciate something that you're totally unfamiliar with. Yeah. And so that's where a lot of people start, the ones that are online champions of, of this sort of thing. So I there's, there's a lot of things out there. I'm happy to send you some of my favorite resources personally. Oh my gosh, please do that. Uh, oh my gosh, yeah. I'm gonna definitely have to check those out. That sounds so interesting. Um, is Do you think that's why you started sharing your audition journey um, to kind of make that whole experience more relatable to... Do you think your your target audience was opera singers starting out or the general public? Starting out, it was definitely the general public um, because with, for a lot of people in my life, I'm the only opera singer that they know. And even even in the, I mean, there's not a lot of us here in the booming metropolis of Dayton, Ohio, but, <laughs> but you know, it's really exciting when people, anytime you say that you're an opera singer, people are like, oh my gosh, that's so cool, you know, and even if they, even if they totally hate opera, they still are, you know, they're still amazed by it. Mm -hmm. um, I've, I don't think I've met anyone yet that's like, all right, cool, sure. Yeah. What else? <laughs> you know, <they're, laughs> because there's so much that goes into it. I think people just are, uh, I don't know, impressed by it. And at least that's been my experience in the past, but yeah, I, there's so many uh, questions that people have of what we do when we're not on stage. And so I started bringing people on my Instagram stories kind of behind the scenes 
and um, and then I started my YouTube channel not this summer. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I just finished my first month of the Scrappy Mezzo, and that is sort of geared towards the general public, but also geared towards and younger young artists and things like that. And you know, what do you do in this weird in between phase where you're not in school, but you're not like a main stage professional yet and you're just in this kind of in-between stage and so I, I wanted to start a YouTube channel about that to really take both scenes like I'm I'm taking people the whole way th through this online audition season I'm uh, going to be filming pretty much every step of the process I'm sharing how I'm doing my setup because I have to test out my sound equipment and lighting equipment like all this other stuff and people are kind of going to learn along with me and just see what all goes into just an audition, you know, not even performing a show. Yeah. Um, so just kind of demystifying everything that happens for us. Um, I just, I am really passionate about sharing that sort of thing and kind of starting the social media channels that I wanted when I was in college. And I just, had no idea what was going on and I just wanted someone else to kind of like I said demystify that for me because it just seems like such a mystery because there's not one way to do this career. Yeah and I, I think uh, especially people at our age like when we were in school and, and kind of just starting out um, it seemed like the technology was starting to get there um, about like networking and social media I mean, we still had MySpace and uh, those things back in the day, um, but now- Are you dating us? <laughs> uh, no, <laughs> I'm gonna cut that part out, it's fine. Um, but uh, do you, was it like out of a lack of, um, cause I, I'm sure that you had a lot of mentors um, uh, there with you, like physically trying to like teach you about the ropes um, and, and the process of starting out, um, but like, for people outside of the world of opera and like getting into like real life, non college bubble experience. Was, was that another driving factor behind you starting that of, of trying to make it more relatable for someone like in that position with you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I really didn't have um, a, I guess a conventional way to, I guess, to get, even just to get into a young artist program. Um, because Nashville Opera this past year was my first like mainstream uh, young artist program. And uh, by mainstream, I mean the ones that, that you see on this, uh, this thing called Yap Tracker, Young Artist Program Tracker. And it's a place where companies post auditions and mm -hmm. you can upload your audition materials to there. Um, so that's what I mean when I say Yap Tracker. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember my audience. Um, and yeah, I left i left grad school not having any professional experience under my belt i i, I did one pay to sing program where you pay tuition and you get the training um but i had not performed professionally anywhere even though i had a lot of school experience and so you know i graduated grad school and I just kind of was a little lost and I, I had a lot of really good advice given to me. So um, there were definitely mentors there uh, for sure that, you know, were kind of those guiding factors. And I was talking with my voice teacher at the end of grad school and 
I just kind of felt like everybody had a young artist program to go to and they were all kind of off doing those things. And I was sitting there crying to her. I just, you know, I like I had had the lead in in the shows and I was pretty castable in that sense. And I just like wasn't really going anywhere after right after school is um, at least that I knew of right away. And so I was just kind of really upset about it. And you know, I was just like, I just don't know what to do at this point. I feel like I've worked really hard. And she's like, you know what? You are scrappy. You are not going to take no for an answer. And you're going to work your butt off and you're going to hustle. And I know you're going to be okay because that you are already that way. And that's going to work out for you. And that's, and that's, that word just has kind of stuck with me for a long time. Because that's also a word that was used to describe me uh, when I was playing lacrosse in high school. <laughs> and so like the, it just kept coming up. And so uh, that's kind of why I've taken that on uh, for my YouTube channel and my Instagram, because that's, yeah, I feel like I'm that scrappy person. So I really had to focus on networking when I came home because mm -hmm. I had never for anybody around where I was living in Dayton. Um, and I just emailed everybody my materials and just whatever I could find on Yap Tracker. I looked for companies near me. I there was a list on Wikipedia that had a list of opera companies in the US. And there were like nine different opera companies in Ohio, which is crazy because it's Ohio. Like the, the next highest was like, I think it was maybe either California or Florida. And then there was New York. Oh I mean, that's gosh. like... I mean, it's up there as far as the number of opera companies in the state. And so I think that was something that I found as a blessing later um, of living where I'm living is I had companies, you know, within an hour, an hour and a half of me. Um, and there's even a company in Dayton, Ohio um, that, you know, it was, it, it let me have the ability to really sing where I live. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I basically, so right after school, I, uh, we had just done Little Women in grad school and I had played Joe March and I knew that score like the back of my hands. Um, I just, I, I feel like I could still sing that score like, and not miss a beat. And that's how much it was drilled into us. And I was looking up on Yap Tracker, just whatever companies were doing Little Women. And there was a company in Ohio doing the show. And so I said, I sent them a recording of like the entire show <laughs> because we had it online at that point. And they were like, thanks Kaylee. Can you send us some selected video, <laughs> video audience from this? This is great. You know, I'm really glad you know this. Can you send us, you know, an audition video, like a real one. And um, so I was able to get that. And then I was able to, uh, to get a gig uh, with Opera Columbus. Um, which I have a lot of family that lives in Columbus. And when I was in the audition, I put on the top of my resume that I had host home. Opportunity. That means company didn't need to house me. I could just okay. stay with family. So that saves the company some money. Yeah. So I, uh, even, even at the, uh, the company that we did little women with, I stayed with, um, the family of, uh, one of my husband's friends who was a, uh, a groomsman, in our wedding like he wasn't even there it was his family that i stayed with and i just asked <laughs> hey like could i stay with you guys for like three weeks and you know i was barely ever at the house i was working all the time but you know just using your friends and family to get your foot in the door and 
that that show for Opera Columbus, it was called Twisted Two. And um, the cast of that show was really phenomenal. And I learned a lot from them because they were all older than me. And that that got me about half of my resume. Wow. Because in that cast was uh, an artistic director of another company in town who I've, I sang uh, about four or five productions with uh, since then. And uh, I got concert work from a soprano that I met in that cast who just posted online, hey, who wants to sing a Mozart Mass in C minor with me? She just posted on Facebook and people were recommending other singers. And I just posted there, hey, pick me. That's what I sing that. <laughs> and she she didn't know the other singer. So she recommended me and I got that gig and it got me another gig with that same company later on. And, you know, so you just never know who you're going to meet uh, in any of this. So I'm, I'm so glad that I hustled that way because definitely got me started and got me working up until, you know, I could do this, my first young artist program. And I felt ready at that point. Uh, because I had had that stage experience. I wasn't singing in the chorus at other young artist programs. I was singing main stage roles at smaller companies, um, which is essentially that process is pretty much the same, no matter what size of company you're doing. So I'm, I'm very thankful for those <laughs> people that encouraged me to, you know, keep going and not just get discouraged that everybody else had something right after grad school. It, it always just feels like there's just, there's sometimes just like a moment of this is when all the dominoes start falling and I, it can be so infuriating waiting for that moment. But like, I, I think if enough people just realize like you will have that time, that moment will come. It just, it's, everything has to kind of align to get you there. Um, but then when, mm -hmm. when it happens finally, it's entirely worth it. Absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree. What, at what point in your journey did, your whole web design business come into play? Was that pretty early on or was that more recently? Um, kind of both because I used to have this company in, I started it in 2017, right? Yeah, I started it in 2017. And I, I've had a, a website since I was an undergrad, since I was a junior in college when I did not need a website, but I <laughs> just had so much fun with it. I, I would change around my website all the time. I would just redesign it because I just love doing that. And finally there was uh, a moment where I was like, I think I could do this for other people. And so uh, there was a friend who posted all of these amazing, this amazing photo shoot that she did. And all the photos were, they could definitely like go together, like similar background sort of things. So it could be really flush and I just, had this vision for it and I just messaged her and I was like, Hey, can I make you a website? Because she's an amazing singer. Uh, and they, uh, basically just built her a website for free and I loved it so much. So I decided to turn it into a business. And at the time I was still uh, living. So my husband and I were living with my parents. Um, we had not, uh, moved out of there yet. We just wanted to save up some money before while he was looking for a job and everything. Oh yeah. I was also teaching and uh, working at a coffee shop. And then I ended up like being promoted at the coffee shop. And then I ended up taking on a whole studio. Um, and this, this studio that I was teaching was in Cincinnati and I live in Dayton, which is an hour away. <laughs> so I was working at the coffee shop in the morning and then driving an hour 
and then teaching in the evening and then driving an hour back and then like doing it all over again. And so I, I kind of dropped the company for a while and uh, I really missed And so I started it back up again because I mean, now is the time that there's need to get online. And some people just don't have either the time to do it or just don't know where to start. And so I decided to um, start and uh, I am so glad I did because I just kind of, I kind of forgot how much I love doing it, you know? <laughs> and I started these things called Website Wednesdays where in the month of August, I share, uh, I basically, I, I did the first one on Instagram Live and then I filmed the second, uh, the yeah, the second and third one. And just kind of took people through the process of building a website because the reality is like not everybody can afford a website designer right now. And so I really gear towards those singers that have either never had a website or they've maybe had one and do they just want to upgrade sort of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, I specialize in people that are in the earlier stages of their career. And so my, I purposely keep my prices low and then I also offer uh, one free additional page after the site is launched. So if you're early in your career and you don't have a lot of reviews yet, then and you start getting all these reviews in, then, you know, come back, I'll build you a page that you can put all those amazing reviews on and things like that, because singers need something that is growing with them. And so that's, that's, I wanted to start that for singers as just like, Hey, like you don't have to just like, put your resume online and call it a day. You know, I just, yeah. I really wanted to help people look their best online because you don't need to be a Met star to have a nice website. You know, you can be on the early stages of your career and have this website that makes you look super professional because like you're working hard. So yeah. It, it seems like a lot of what you do now is geared towards helping people with their careers and kind of being the mentor that you wish you were, or you wish you had, do you see this as like, this is where I'm at right now. And it's maybe like a, maybe it's something you're going to grow out of, or do you think that this is going to become like a staple of your, your career and your passion? I don't know. I think there's always going to be that teaching spirit in me. I, I actually started my undergrad to be a choir teacher and I was so sure that is what I was going to do. I was going to teach choir in a classroom and call it a day. Um, and I, I do really enjoy teaching. I really loved teaching voice lessons uh, when I was doing it, but I was just out of town too much. Um, you know, so I, I think there's always going to be a part of me that wants to teach in some way, shape or form. And I think I am right now, I'm kind of going off of questions that I hear from other singers. And so a lot of the questions that I'm hearing are how the heck do I build a website? And what do I do with this time? All this time that we have, like, what do you do when you're not getting gigs? Like, how do you keep the faith? And how do you like, do all of this kind of stuff? And there, there are other resources out there. And there are, you know, there are singers that are at the height of their career that are um, doling out similar information, you know, mm -hmm. and I didn't want to copy and paste what they said, but there was really nobody in this in between phase that was like, Hey, this is what I'm packing for this young artist program. Like this weird four month period where you're going to be there for a long time, but you're not like moving in. Like it's kind of like college packing. 
not really like college packing. Like, you know, I, so it, I really wanted to see something like that because when I was, you know, trying to figure out, you know, what do I do when I have, you know, this choral gig in Chattanooga and then I have this uh, opera gig in Tennessee or in Nashville and then I have this other choral gig in Columbus and, you know, like when you're going bouncing, like what do you, what do you do for food? Like how do you save money on audition season? And like, how do you just not spend hundreds of dollars, like just <laughs> in travel expenses, you know, in this sort of thing. And so I, you know, kind of like I said earlier, I just, I wanted to create the channels that I wanted when I was trying to figure this stuff out and I'm still learning. So I, I do at this point, you know, we'll see a couple years from now at the point in time, I do plan on continuing this sort of thing. It might look very different. It might not, I don't know. You know, I don't even know if I'm going to decide to sing in like the next five years. I don't know where I'm going to be at in life. And I don't feel, I, I, I feel that I, this, at this point in time, I, I definitely feel like opera path is for me, mm-hmm. but I do feel like a lot of people feel like they are stuck in this career because they've done all this training. It's like, you know, six or seven years of training that, you know, they're like, okay, well, like this is what I've trained to do and they might not be happy in it. And I just am not going to make myself do that. So if there's ever a moment that I'm not happy in this career, then I'll step away and do something else because it's not the end of everything, you know? And so I am just kind of rolling with the punches and taking it year by year and just seeing what happens. And I feel like that's kind of what all we can really do. And you can plan your life out X, Y, and have no idea what it's going to look like, <laughs> you know, a couple of years from now. So. Exactly. Yeah. I, I think that kind of authenticity and realism really resonates with a lot of people because like nobody has it all figured out. And I don't think enough people ever say that. Um, and exactly. so to, to hear somebody um, in your like career path, uh, even if like your brain, someone's like brand new to the industry, um, just to hear somebody say like, this is where I'm at. Let's kind of go through this together. And then to see both like to watch as that person, to see you grow together in your journey and for them to kind of always strive towards that little bit more. Um, I think that's, it's a really interesting take that I don't think a lot of people, at least from what I've seen, I don't see that a lot in any industry really. Um, so I, th- I think that's really um, a unique take that you've you've kind of put on with everything here. Um, so what what's next for you as far as, because it, everything with quarantine is kind of starting to slow down a little bit. I think people are starting to get back to some semblance of normalcy. Um, so what what's like the next big thing that you're working on right now? Yeah, so basically the gigs that I lost in 2020 were copy pasted into 2021. Um, so I was really lucky with that. And I, I have the same, you know, God willing, I have the same work <laughs> waiting for me. Um, so in April, I will be doing uh, with uh, Nashville Opera, and I will be singing Magdalena. And then in the summer, I'll be a young artist with Central City Opera, and I'll mainly be in the chorus of that show, that show, uh, or that company functions a, a little differently. It's uh, in the summer season, and um, 
is a more of a festival approach. And so come the month of July, we have pretty much almost every night. Um, and it's a, it's one of three shows. We're doing Carousel, we're doing Dido and Aeneas, and um, also Rigoletto. And so I'm covering Dido, and then I am covering um, a character named Giovanna in uh, Rigoletto, and then I'm, I'm singing that role in a family performance of that. So they do uh, basically a cover performance um, of the show at Once in a Summer, and, um, and then uh, in a bunch of scenes programs and things like that. Between now and then, uh, we have audition season. So that all just depends on who wants to hear me. Um, I have been doing master classes online and just kind of applying to whatever I can apply to and just get as much training as possible. And I'm still taking lessons and coachings online. I'm gonna do a role study, which is, uh, I'm also going to bring people along that journey to see what all kind of for both the general public and for young artists to see what that role preparation looks like from start to finish. Um, yeah. Because this is a show that I'm, I, I do sing an aria from this, but I've, I've not learned anything else from this show. I, I watched, I finally was able to watch it for the first time the other week. Um, you know, so I'm gonna bring people along for that and we'll just, we'll see. I'm, I'm gonna continue languages while I can and just kind of, keep building websites, keep making YouTube videos and just rolling with it. <laughs> yeah. Seeing what happens. <laughs> I think that's all we can do for a lot of things right now. Just, just rolling with it. We're just going to go with it. Yeah. You just kind of have to, I did want to go back to when you were talking about authenticity and kind of, I'm sorry if you can hear my dog in the background, he's having a time over here. Oh, it's totally fine. Um, <laughs> uh, the place that I, I feel like I learned that was uh, Lee University, where we met. And yeah. I, I feel like I have so many friends from that time period in my life that just, we, we just got really raw with each other. And that, of course, you can't really say this like without uh, this whole movement, but the power of Me Too mm -hmm. is everybody needs and every industry and every person at every level needs some kind of an connection of, Oh, same. I didn't know somebody else was going through that. And I think that's all of that goes to everything that I'm doing on social media. That goes to everything that I believe that makes opera relatable is finding those moments that are common to even you and another stranger where they can be, oh my gosh, me too. I, I've totally felt that way, where they can point at the stage and they go, I've been there before. Yeah. And that really sucks. Or or, you know, I totally get it. That's awesome. Or, you know, whatever it is, like there's people have to connect where it makes sense to them personally. And so I feel like right from the beginning of, you know, my musical training, even though it wasn't training, it was just building friendships and people that I still talk with and hang out hang out with to this day, even online, you know, they live somewhere else, but I feel very blessed that I wasn't somewhere that was just totally cutthroat and, mm -hmm. you know, things like that, because that can be, a just can be something toxic that just leads to unhappiness later on. Like, I feel like we came from a very genuine program in that way where we, people were just very real with each other and that carried on into 
grad school as well. And so I feel like that idea for me has started from the beginning, whether I knew that that's what was going on. Or not. I think that we were definitely very fortunate to be in that kind of environment um, at Lee where it's, it's about encouraging each other. And you're right, it wasn't a very cutthroat environment. We were there to build each other up because we cared about each other's success. And for that to be in like such a foundational time in our lives, um, I, I think that that, I, at least it seems like that's what sets you apart in the industry from what I've seen. Um, in that you when, you, when you see people like you that just wanna help each other and that just wanna be a resource, I think that that, when, when more people start realizing that and seeing you in that role that draws you or draws them to you because people need someone like that in their life. And mm -hmm. uh, to, for you to be a resource in a, in a production and a company, um, I, I can only, I can think that it can only help you in your career. Um, so I, it's been really interesting for me to see your journey from like the time that we met at Lee to where it is now. And uh, I'm really excited to see where things take you in the future. And especially once all this stuff ends, um, just because you're so prominent on social media with everything you're trying to do and how open you are with everything. Um, I, I think that's going to draw a lot of people to you just for the sake of authenticity and um, not because you're trying to put a spotlight on your success, but you're just trying to say like, look, this is, this is what it can be. And if you need help, I'm here for you. Um, yeah, absolutely. That's totally <laughs> just, it's not really come see my success. It'd be like, come learn from my failures. <laughs> so you don't do the same thing. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I, yeah, I wish we had more people like that in the world. Just, it would make everything so much easier. It totally would. <laughs> You're um, so right. But yeah, I mean, thank you for being a part of this. Uh, this has been a lot of fun talking with you kind of getting uh, like an insider scoop into opera and like your journey and um, how, like I, we said this before we started recording, but like, it's not this hoity-toity thing. It's not this like putting up on a pedestal kind of musical performance. It's like you said, like we're just telling raw human emotional stories that everybody can connect with that they're just not familiar with. Um, and I, I hope that oh, more yeah. people- it's yeah, I, I hope then I hope people can see that too. It's 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 ten percent glam performance on stage thing that you kind of see and idolize and the other ninety percent is changing in cold bathrooms in different cities <laughs> in the fall. Like, you know, so <laughs> just being backstage trolls. Like that's the other ninety percent of it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so, yeah, totally hopefully people can see that it's, we're just people. Yeah. <laughs> we're people telling other people's stories on stage. And yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm totally honored to be a part of this. I'm super excited for you and, you know, starting this new podcast. And I think it's going to be great. I think you're great at interviews. And I listened to some of your other podcasts as well. And yeah, I am really excited for you as well. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for asking me. That's, <laughs> I, this is, I was so excited about this, like, since you messaged me about it. And yeah, I feel like it's baby's first podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate so, that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, well, I, like I said, I'm looking forward to following your journey and we'll, we'll definitely be in touch. Um, so yeah, uh, thanks. And we will, I guess we'll talk to you later. Cool. Yeah. You can, uh, should I say my social medias on here? Yes, so people please. Can find me. Uh, so on, on Facebook, I'm just Kaylee Nichols and then Instagram. I 
is Scrappy Mezzo. And then I have a Scrappy Mezzo YouTube channel that you can find me on. And then on my professional website, KayleeNicholsMezzo.com, I have a blog uh, that I just talk about random stuff that I'm doing uh, in the opera world. And it's, it's very linked to my YouTube channel as well. So you can find me at all of those. Like I said earlier, if you have a question about which operas you should watch or how to get started, uh, I am totally happy to help you out with that. Um, so please message me. I'd love to help. Absolutely. So thanks. And uh, yeah, definitely looking forward to seeing what comes next. <laughs> All right, well, we'll talk soon. Bye, Kaylee.